Wednesday Live. I'm Graham Lynch. Welcome to the show. Now, it was a pretty big week for news in the telecom space with annual results season in full swing. We'll catch up with Telstra CEO Andy Penn and NBN CEO Stephen Rue later in the show to hear their perspectives on the past financial year at their respective organisations. But first up, Mobile Spectrum. Communications Minister Paul Fletcher handed down his decision on much-anticipated competition caps in the sub-1 gigahertz spectrum market this week. This is a key spectrum band because it underpins the wide-scale coverage you get across long distances, especially in the countryside. And it became a decision that needed to be made because there's an auction of spectrum in the 850-900 megahertz band later this year. So the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission had advised the minister that it wanted to cap all carriers, i.e. Telstra specifically, nationally at 40% of this sub-1 gigahertz spectrum. Optus and TBG backed this argument and lobbied hard on it. Meanwhile, Telstra wanted more, more in the order of 50% or even more, arguing that with 40%, it might not be able to handle data needs in outer regional Australia, where often it is the only provider. In the end, the minister made the crashingly obvious decision, apparently not too obvious to those regulatory and industry lobbyists, have a 40% cap in the cities only and a higher 45% cap in the countryside to mitigate those regional capacity concerns. I asked Minister Fletcher, first up in an interview this week, for his thoughts on the advice that he was getting. Well, I mean, I can understand that from the point of view of incumbents, it's administratively simpler if there's, you know, single national licences. But obviously, auctions, spectrum allocation is not just about incumbents, it's also about the possibility for new entrants. Yes. And um, it is pretty clear that um, there's interest in business models serving regional and remote Australia. It might be, for example, somebody who wants to use 5G to support ag tech, you know, coverage targeted at um, uh, supporting innovative devices being used on farm to improve productivity. Or it might be somebody who's got a business model targeted at supporting remote resources sites to have, uh, you know, robotic operation. Um, So um, it was pretty clear that there is um, at least potential interest from players wanting to serve um, non-Metro. ACMA developed this concept. They obviously um, consulted with me, but but in, in formal terms as you know, how the spectrum is sliced up both geographically and in frequency ranges is a matter for ACMA. Um, The dividing line they've drawn, I think, is quite a logical one because rather than saying just the big cities, they've said essentially populated areas. So it includes, you know, the more... uh, Essentially the east coast of Australia, the, you know, areas like the north coast of New South Wales are pretty high population density and so it splits it into 92% um, of population in the 
higher population areas and then 8% in the, in the other licence. And I think that's a pretty logical split, and what it does do is creates potentially interesting incentives for players to come in with a regional and remote focus in their business model without, of course, having to come up with the very large amounts of money needed to get a national licence. So that was certainly an attractive, I think, framing. Um, and then in terms of the decision that I took about the competition limits, um, my view was that to increase the competition limit to 90 in the regional area compared to the 80 that ACCC had recommended, um, I felt that was a pretty modest, you know, an, an important but incremental change. Um, under So today, Telstra in metro areas has 76.8 megahertz. Yeah. That's what it got under various spectrum auctions and also what it had under the 900 apparatus licence. Yes. And in regional, they had 86.8. Mm. Um, now, with the decision I've made, if they bid up to the maximum and acquire the, as much as they possibly can in regional, they'll go from 86.8 to 90. Mm. So it's an incremental you know, increase. Yeah. But the other point is... Um, that we've actually increased the total pool of spectrum available in sub one gigahertz. So right now, the total that's held across Telstra, Optus and TPG before the auction is 180. Mm. Now out of that, we um, pull back the 900 apparatus license spectrum, which is the spectrum that they've had uh, each of the three operators has had going back to 1991, I think it is, when the right, yeah. DSM licences were issued. Mm. So um, that reduces, um, that's 16.8 that gets taken off Telstra, 16.8 that gets taken off Optus, and 16.4 that gets taken off TPG. <coughs> yeah. um, but because we're adding in the 850 as well, we're actually going from a total of 180 to 200. Yeah. And so the consequence of that is the competition limit change I've made allows Telstra, if it bids up, if it acquires all that it's permitted to in regional areas, to go from 86.8 to 90, so a slight increase in absolute amounts. Yeah. It'll be a slight decrease in percentage terms. So right now it has 48% roughly yeah. of the 180 megahertz. If it ends up with the maximum it's permitted in regional of 90, then it'll end up with 45% of the 200 that will be the total available. Yeah. So um, my feeling was in competition limits terms, it was a modest and quite sensible change. I didn't feel it in any way undermined um, the intensity of competition in regional and remote. Um, and as I say, I think the fact that Telstra's maximum share of total industry sub one gigahertz holdings goes from 48% to 45% demonstrates that even though they, they go up slightly in what they can hold in, in, um, in megahertz terms. Now on to NBNCO. A big week for them in terms of results. They met all their targets. Quite extraordinary given... 
NBN had issues with the supply of network terminals for each for its HFC network for half the year, and also a major snafu with a new appointments booking system, which dramatically reduced its connection capacity for several months. I asked CEO Stephen Rue to explain what it, what exactly drove the growth for the financial year. Yeah, no, th- no thanks, Brian. Um, what we actually saw a uh, strong demand for our products in the particularly the first half of the year, and that's actually why our revenues exceeded the slightly exceeded the um, uh, target or the forecast or guidance, if you like, we put out in the corporate plan. Yeah, one hundred million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the the we we saw we saw strong take up actually of our Fitz wireless and satellite products as well. Yeah, uh, which is we really, we we ended up I think just over three hundred and fifty thousand customers on fixed wireless and about one hundred and ten on on satellite. Um, but I think it's a it was a combination really of of, of strong performance in those two areas, but mm-hmm. also the demand for our services as people were in in, in lockdown and as people realised I think the benefits of broadband. Yep, so that helps the uplift, yeah, absolutely. And and on that particular topic, obviously you've had a doubling in the take-up of 100 meg-plus services in, yeah. in, in the year. Um, but but obviously that's been stimulated by some of MBN's discount activity. So that, that obviously is being withdrawn from the market now and, and the prices are going back more to normal levels. Do you think that high rate of take-up will be sustained in the light of the slightly higher buy prices? Well, certainly that's something that that um, us and the retailers will will work on, both uh, migrating new customers up to higher speeds and and retaining customers um, who are on the higher speed tiers. Graham, um, the folks and fast initiative we've been very pleased with because it has given people the experience of the higher of the higher speeds. I think more broadly, though, over time we will continue to see customers migrate to higher speeds with you know. To, Data application, data hungry applications, more devices in the home, um, more hybrid arrange, working arrangements, and second lines perhaps into, into homes as well, and, and obviously businesses um, uh, continue to digitise. Um, but in the shorter term, we certainly will be working with retailers to retain customers on those higher speeds, and as I said, continue to migrate customers as well. When you say work with them, uh, in, in what sense, like um, marketing to support um, the, well, the desire for higher speeds, or what ex- exactly would that entail? Well, continuing to, we, we, we have very good working relationships with all the, with the retailers, and we share customer insights, and, and to, to the extent that, that um, uh, as you say, whether, whether it be marketing or whether it be just understanding segments better, Graham, and just continuing to 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 work to provide people with the serv- to educate people to some extent, or to provide people uh, greater services that they may need. So, so it's it's a sharing of information as well as as well as marketing, and and over time, I'm sure ongoing product development as well. You're seeing really extraordinary take up in small businesses. And you know, down to sole traders, and also regional areas. So, can you talk me a little bit through that? Because obviously, that's come as a bit of a surprise. I don't think many people would have expected that. Well, so firstly, on business revenue, our business revenue grew from six hundred and sixty-six million last year to eight hundred and forty this year. So you can see that is that is a large growth. 
Um, now, now, obviously, the, there's been a large growth in, in TC4 services, and, and so these are people uh, you know, using either the, those products for their business or, or in many ways having higher speeds for their business. But equally, the enterprise Ethernet has been taken up, as you quite rightly say, by a range of businesses. I mean, Brad talked today about a funeral home, and he used that as an example of not something you would expect, but with the, the level of autopsies that are that are um, uh, needed to be shared. And I think we, I think we're going to see more of this, Graham, because whether they be um, health services or an education company, um, or whether they be simply um, um, you know businesses like real estate agents who appear on first sight to be sole traders, but actually they they are data-hungry businesses or they're, or they're using lots of cloud-based software um, and the uplink is important for them as well. And so I think we are seeing that. I think we, we are seeing the, the, um, the early stages, I believe, of, of small and medium businesses needing more and more um, higher-grade services and, and enterprise Ethernet clearly hits the, a certain part of that market. Um, in regional areas, the response has been extraordinary because this, of course, are areas that have had zonal pricing in the past or who have not had, or who have not had access to fibre mm. and been able to, to uh, and again, Graham, I think that's going to become increasingly important as people move from the cities um, and, or, or choose to stay where they were brought up and being able to run businesses from from regional centres, I, you know, I speak with I speak with um, many people on a regular basis who are who are running businesses, whether they be telehealth or um, agricultural businesses, and and they are actually using more and more data, and therefore need more and more services. Finally, Telstra. Big results. Net profit was up 3% despite an 11% fall in revenue. The difference was that the T22 cost reduction program effectively matched those revenue falls with cost cuts still off a dollar. But at the same time, Telstra's core business in mobile showed some signs that it was coming back to life. Our executive editor, Rowan Pearce, asked CEO Andy Penn this week, that is Financial Results Day, to describe the Telstra financial year in mobile. Firstly, I'm very pleased with our mobile uh, postpaid handheld net subs growth. I mean, um, as I mentioned in my commentary, I certainly think the overall market has been uh, slower and I think we have seen as a consequence of COVID just um, uh, a reduction in, as I say, net uh, migration into Australia, net population growth. Uh, as well as some supply chain issues that the major handset manufacturers have experienced, which has led to a lower number of devices available, which doesn't necessarily have to flow through into service plans, but, but can have an impact um, as well. It certainly impacted our gross revenue, not that it has an impact from an EBITDA perspective. Um, but notwithstanding that, you know, we saw Belong had growth, uh, Telstra branded had growth, and we also saw pretty good growth in our enterprise uh, part of our business as well, so um, uh, so that'd be pretty solid. On 5G home internet, um, we have thousands of customers uh, on 5G uh, home internet at the moment. Uh, we've only been 
um, offering that on a very targeted, below-the-line basis. Um, as we make sure we get the product proposition right, we understand the network dynamics because the last thing in the world we want to do is to offer a customer a service and then not deliver on a service that's in their best interest and making sure that uh, it really improves what they have um, at the moment, which is what that's all about. And I've long said on this topic that fixed wireless isn't for everybody because the MDM provides a great service uh, in many respects. Having said that, there are some homes, particularly customers, that might be on um, copper services and services that are not capable of um, better speech where a 5G fixed wireless solution actually is a is a great alternative. So that's what we've been focused on understanding and, and targeting uh, and you should expect us to go above the line on that um, in the coming period. And on an analyst in media call, New Street Research Analyst Ian Martin asked Andy Penn and colleagues Michael Wackland and Vicky Brady about the road ahead for Telstra. Just uh, three quick questions. First, um, you know, the, the 5G market's clearly getting more contested off the back in the game, it seems, with uh, particularly metro markets. I don't you comment on coverage, but the focus of competition is metro markets, particularly going into the December quarter. Uh, is going to be more... Um, uh, have better have better coverage by then. They have lower price points. And I just wonder, are you prepared to let market share slip in that quarter or, or this half year, or are we likely to see some kind of price response? Secondly, uh, EBITDA at 7.5 billion was your target you said could support a 16 cent dividend. With the buyback, I guess that number is going to be a bit lower. Are you in the ballpark to support that next year? How much? net one-off NDNs remaining, about $400 million or so, I think. And finally, you mentioned 150,000 uh, fixed-line services yet to migrate. What will that leave with Telstra with, um, and in terms of you obviously got some fixed lines you've got to continue in, in areas NBN doesn't cover, and how material is that to uh, particularly the cost framework? Thanks very much, um, Ian. I'd like to Vicky and uh, Michael in particular to comment just on the sort of the competitive dynamics, but I think the reason uh, Optus are focusing on metro markets is that they're so far behind from an overall network perspective, and um, I think TPG are a long way back on 5G, so we're going to continue to press our advantage on 5G and, and our network and our, our rollout, and we're very... Um, I guess confident about our ability to continue to compete, um, but I'll get um, get the guys to sort of comment on that. Um, Vicky might comment on the EBIT uh, range. I think um, uh, your question really is is that you know if we were at the top end of the range of guidance for the current financial year at seven point three, with the trajectory of DNA and with the implementation of a buyback, how close would that get us to? underlying earnings supporting a 16 cent dividend on standalone basis um, uh, at a 90% payout ratio roughly around that um, would still be a bit short and I should say our aspiration is to get in the range of um, 7.5 to 8.5 I did say 8% in the bottom half of, of that so um, uh, my guess is it's um, it would be still short in 2022 but Vicky might want to confirm on that point and then as regards your other question about 
what's left with NBN after that, 50,000 retail customers. I think the most significant thing, and Michael can comment on this, would probably be SMB, which would be a bit further behind uh, in the rollout. But um, uh, maybe I'll go to Michael first, and then, and then maybe Michael can hand to Vicky. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Andy, and, and thanks for the question. I mean, just on, uh, you know, 5G competition, um, yeah, I think Andy, I think Andy made the point. I mean, it's, um, uh, Optus are focusing on the, on the metro markets. Um, they're also focusing on getting, um, value and price for their, for 5G as well. And I think, um, uh, you know, that, that's good overall for the market in terms of, um, pushing the value of a 5G experience, which, um, our view would be coverage, coverage really matters for any mobile experience. Um, we're, we're really committed to, to, to getting, to getting value and we think we can get value, um, value and share and, um, but it's a competitive market and that just makes us do better. Uh, in terms of what's left on, on NBM, we've, obviously there's the last 8%. Um, uh, we will be in terms of the, the migration activity for consumer, um, yeah, there is there's there's very little left uh, to migrate uh, beyond this financial year, and um, you know probably the tail is a little bit longer for um, for SMB as that as that moves through. But um, I think uh, you know this year, as as uh, as Vicky said, we'll migrate half as many as we did the previous year, and then uh, into twenty three uh, another dramatic reduction, and and the tail will really be in um, in SMB. Vicky. Thanks, Michael, and thanks, Sam, for those questions. Um, just on the, the first one around, you, I think you were asking about the net one-offs still to come from the MBN, and we're expecting those to be around $250 million in FY22. So that goes to your question that you were asking about around um, payout ratios, etc. So obviously, we've been clear we've got to get to that in that range of seven and a half to eight and a half under our dividend payout policy. However, um, John, our chairman, was very clear at last AGM, the board considers a number of factors as they have done again this time in terms of um, likelihood of our ambition to achieve that. So having that confidence of getting in that range, our free cash flow plays an important part and obviously we're very strongly supported with free cash flow, so there is um, uh, 250 million of the net one-offs we expect still to come in FY22. And then just on the final question around the services we're left um, post the full uh, transition to MBN, so the last 8%, uh, yet there are definitely costs associated with that and we've actually uh, got an ambition out there to say that we limit those legacy losses to around $100 million per annum. So uh, you're right, there are costs. Unfortunately, to service the last 8%, it, it's a lot more than 8% of the copper network, just given the geographic spread. So yes, we have got an ambition to limit those losses to uh, $100 million per annum. That's it for Comms Day Live this week. See you next week.